and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel are back to uh, discuss through an action-packed weekend in the tech disciplines. Uh, we just finished the night slalom from Schladming for the women's. We'll also be talking through Kranska, Gora, Slalom and GS for the ladies, whilst the men were over on what was a, f- a crazy tough uh, weekend of racing in Adelboden. Uh, did not disappoint. Plenty of results to kick off and get through. Uh, but I think we'll start off with tonight's result, which was an absolute uh, cracking slalom. Michaela Schifrin, uh, stormed her second run to take the win with Petra Vlahova finishing in second with Lena Dirt. Yet another podium for the German. Um, ben, what did you make of it tonight? That was epic, wasn't it? I, I really enjoyed the last couple of races on the women's tour, racing on, I guess, what you'd call some of the more iconic men's tracks. So, Kranchagora and then Schladmi. The only thing that could have made that better was if they'd had the normal Austrian fans there if you could have had like the lining the side of the piece and the flares and all that because you know the fact that Schifrin was almost in tears just at winning at Schladming and what a, what an iconic race it was can you imagine the emotion from everyone had it been just your normal yeah. Schladming scenes would have been absolutely amazing but we posed the question at the back end of the last podcast is Vlahova now the best slalom skier in in the in the world for the women and after Crunch Gory thought maybe, and then Schifrin said, hold up, not yet. I've still got this. And and put in, you know, I was surprised she didn't look too sure of that second run. It looked like she finished and she was like, I've been leading by a second a couple of times this year and it's not been enough. H- has she done enough? Uh, so it was really, really great battle that those two are uh, uh, on, in the middle of. And I can't wait to see the, the next round. Would you reckon Marcel? Honestly, it was probably one of the best women's races I've ever seen. It was like they just had the perfect conditions. They had a perfect slope and the girls were actually skiing really well. And I mean, that shifting finish, the last five gates, I was looking at it and I was like, holy shit, that's the old shifting coming back right there. Like she took half a second off everyone else at the last gates, which is which is what something she's done in her prime. Having said that, she's probably still in her prime, but... Um, no, she. I think it was a fabulous race. Lena Durr on the podium again. You can see like she's really getting there. Two thirds, three thirds, and a fourth place now. She's, she's like up there with the favorites for a medal um, for the Olympic Games. And Lahova, I think she was a bit pissed off. I have to say. It yeah, looked- Marcel, what do you what do you think? Uh, and I'll ask you the same, Ben. What do you think? Obviously, we saw lots of emotion from Schifrin in the finish area for for that win. Marcel, what do you think um, the main sort of reason behind such emotion was for her today? I don't know. I, I guess it's a, it would be a wild guess from me here, but I mean, she had the COVID um, infection like quite recently, and I don't think the last weekend went her way in Kranskagora. She has not won that many slaloms this year. It looked like Vlahova is like pulling away a bit from her. Win. I mean, there also might be like some other emotions coming up. I don't know. Um, but it looked like she was she was with it, but not quite with it when she went in when she came to the finish and like all the emotions in the in the finish area. I think she was like a bit on another planet, um, which I thought was quite interesting to see. Because you don't usually she's usually very content with her emotions. Hmm. But I think it, it meant a lot to her, I guess. Ben, you talked about it. You, you, you were saying that you think it's something to do with the iconic piece of, of Schladming. 
Well, that was what she said in her interview straight afterwards. She could she could barely get her words out. And normally, as as Marcel said, she's so she's so composed in in everything she does, and she's very comfortable if she's happy or unhappy or in any kind of emotional state. She's normally perfectly fine with with sharing that with with the world. And she yeah, she said it, that she was you know kind of just a bit speechless as to what it's like racing and winning uh, on on that absolutely iconic piece in Schladming. Um, I probably think there's a there's a bit to it as well in terms of not being able to get the better of Lahova this year, apart from in that one slalom in Killington. Obviously, as Marcel said, having a bit of a nightmare at the weekend that we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, it could just be just a, the build up of that and COVID and just it all kind of comes out in one big go when you can't believe you've you've got everything right again. And like Marcel said, we started to see a bit of peak shiffering on some of those turns I've been texting you a few times in, in our group chat in the, in the last couple of weeks and her timing just doesn't look right in slalom yeah. at the moment the edges aren't picking up at the top of the turn by her standards it looks like she's fighting every run whereas normally she just floats down but with tremendous speed yeah um, we're, and- still see- we're seeing some uncharacteristic mistakes aren't we but today she made a couple of mistakes but but um, she still had what it takes. Uh, for me, I think that I I, I put it more down to because she has won that she won world champs on that hill before. It's not her uh, uh, not her only sort of um, sort of time skiing on it. So, but for me, I, I kind of feel like it was a release of emotion. I said it in commentary for Eurosport that um, that I think that it's it's more about that she's been through the ringer a bit, and I think emotionally skiing well in sections already this season and Vlahova's had an answer every time Schifrin posed the question Vlahova answered it and and sort of uh, came through it and and I don't think Michaela's really been I can't remember her being that in that situation where she's not been you know able to have the answer consistently on somebody like yeah sure she loses races but it's been you know domination really of the women's tour pretty much by Vlahova so I kind of feel like it was an out out you know a great run. I've still got it and I've taken it to Vlahova and we've gone toe to toe and I've had an answer this time. It's, it's very rare that her best in slalom isn't good enough to, to be everyone else. And, and I think we were saying in the last couple of podcasts, it, it might be a bit of a shock to her that that's, that's been the case this year. Um, but like I said, she, you know, she's had COVID It's still not what you'd call a normal tour by any stretch of the imagination. So you know, I'm like I said, I'm just really excited to see what the next round is. You know, it's after the Olympics now, but we've got all that to get excited about as well. So uh, I can't, I can't wait. If if they're both for firing on all cylinders in the uh, in the Olympics, it's going to be you know fighting it out for third between everyone else. Not so I got anything to. No, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, we'll let Charlie guest. Finishing in a tied PB of thirteenth, good solid run from her. What do you? It's um, it's so good to see her now consistently. You know, it's almost a given that she's in the top thirty and making a second run, uh, and she's now starting to show glimpses of what it takes to go from being a consistent performer to being a little bit more risky or try. You know, just the the edge that takes it from a top twenty into a top ten. I think. You can see like her results are like something in the 20s and then 19, 16, 13. So that obviously gives you a lot of self-confidence. And I think as you as you correctly said now, and also on, on Eurosports today, it's like that last bit that she needs to like step over. And I think that comes with good results and like seeing, okay, I'm right up there with the best ones. 
and then you can get into the top 10 and then from the top 10 you get into top five and then from the top five you get on the podium and then well if you're Wendy you're probably not going to win but if you're anyone else (laughs) (laughs) how dare you Marcel uh, I can't believe, I honestly, those that's a ridiculous. Twenty-nine podiums and no win. I, I mean, you should have to talk about it for a second. How is that? No, no, go, go for it. Go for it. I thought she had it in that uh, in that Kranzgagora slalom. Just to remind you, what the Kranzgagora slalom was: Vlahova, Holdner, 0.23 back, and Sven Larsen just over a second off the pace in third. But yeah, I was so wish as I think every single ski racing fan, apart from I don't know the Slovakians or you know anybody that's who was holding their breath there was just willing, willing her to get that World Cup win because you're right, Marcel. How much? I want, like, Ben, you're the statesman here. Like, do you know how far she was behind in total? Like, (laughs) this is a challenge. Set me a challenge. I'll answer on the next podcast. (laughs) Yeah, please. Because I would love, some races must have been so close as well, and some obviously like seconds behind, but. She skied really well. She skied really well, didn't she? I I genuinely thought that that could have been her day. That second round was first round was good. Second round looked looked pretty she's, good all the way until like the last ten gates, maybe. She's so unlucky that she's always that there is always a shift in aura of love, and even if one straddles or goes out or whatever, doesn't have a good day, there's always another one there. Like what? And before that, it was like Marley Shield and um, whoever Rish, like Rish and, Rish yeah. and like it's just. It's so hard. I mean, she won a couple of World Cup races, but not in Slalom, unfortunately. The only one more angry that they took away uh, the Super Combined because that was that was Wendy's uh, place where she did pick up the a couple of wins in the Combined, wasn't it? But then Giss- Gissin doesn't, you know, has not let her have her own way in that either, has she? So one of those where you're like, oh, I just need, just she just needs. I don't know if she needs a slice of luck, but she just she she just needs. Two two good runs because she's she's got some pace behind her, but God, she's. Do you think if she's at she's at the start, she's like, oh for sake, the Schifrin and Blahova of this world are here again. (laughs) (laughs) Right, can someone give Schifrin and Blahova COVID just for a week? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then but then you just you just know that 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 would follow that would be the stat that goes around after that. The only race where COVID has taken out the two best and then she wins. So. Yeah, but only for a couple of months after that, everyone, if the set would be like one win and 29 podiums, it would look so much better on her stats. Yeah, that's true. I mean, no, none of us would have complained about podiums, but I guess she does by now. I was going to say, if I had that many podiums, I would be the last. Yeah, zero f- given there, that's for sure. But just back on, on Charlie, before we go too, too far away from her, I think, I think Marcel's right. It's great to see her slowly chipping away. Uh, you can see the confidence in her skiing coming through. Sometimes on those second runs, she, she looks a bit passive and I really want to see her go out for them. And sometimes you just need to get the right race, the right course and the right conditions to have that big jump from, you know, the teens into the, into like that, I guess that top five or top eight or something that will really make you feel I definitely belong at this end of the field rather than, you know, where, where I've been up till now. But the fact that she's consistently improving and, and getting those results and she didn't appear to like get, be too put out by skiing out the other week. But I'm, I'm, that's, it's, it's only confidence that can grow from there. I just, I think you said similar about uh, Lena Dured on the second run. The consistency's there almost to the point where it's, 
she almost needs to go after it a bit more and risk being inconsistent again. Obviously, Charlie's that bit further back down the field, but it'll, you know, I think, the same I think it's only a matter of time before she, before she, yeah, before she gets that balance right and and finds herself in the in the top ten regularly, and then we can start talking about the real risk taken for that that big leap from there. Yeah, I mean, Dave, Dave Riding used to talk about it, didn't he? When he was doing the same sort of thing, when he was getting top fifteens and top fifteens and top fifteens, and sort of not really progressing on from there. But it's a totally different mindset because you are it is drilled into you to be consistent and just you know make yourself. A sort of um you know a given within that top group in the top 20 or whatever to to solidify your starting spot but then at some point you've got to you have to mix it up and be willing to sacrifice and and Dave's doing that now and obviously two straddles in a row and he's you know I I hope he doesn't but you can understand that he's now going to be think back thinking about I need to find some consistency and maybe doesn't then take the risks that you need to take if you want to get on the podium do you know what I mean no, nah, it's a risk-taking business, really. No, it Go is. It. But look at, look, at the amount, look at the amount of straddles that we've had. I feel like, I don't know, Statman, that we've had a crazy amount of straddles over the over this weekend. We saw Schifrin, we obviously saw Dave. We saw a bunch of ladies do it today. Um, Gissin did it again, double one as well. It just feels like, I don't know whether it's a pressure thing or, I mean, the snow surface looks pretty good. I mean, I know Kranzka Gora was a bit bumpy, as was Adelboden, so that obviously has an effect on the stability going past the gate when you're talking millimetres, I don't know, but it's um, it's certainly something that seems to have crept in a little bit more. I don't know what it is. Marcel, what do you reckon? Anything to do with equipment or snow surfaces or just unlucky? I mean, sometimes it's probably, it happens quite a lot in front of like hairpins or like under gates or whatever when they try and like get onto back onto the line and you could see it today at the bottom at the top part it was very turny and um holdener she was like obviously way off the line and she tried to cut it she basically had it again but then the next gate she tried to fully recover off it and it's just that bit too tight and i think it looked fairly grippy today so it makes it even harder to judge um if it's like a straddle or not so I think it's a, a various sort of reason that the white people straddle, but I think just quickly come back to um, Charlie Guest. I think she, the Olympic Games will be good for her because there's only the top 15 who get like world ranking points. So she needs to go for it anyway. And I think it's a great chance for her to be like, okay, f it. I'm just going to go for it because I have to go for it anyway. I'm not going to score any Walker ranking points for her spib. So you might as well just do it. Yes, that's a fair point. Um, do we want to talk about um, a certain crazy uncle's Instagram rant again today about corsetting? <laughs> that guy. I assume that you guys at home know exactly what we're talking about with a certain Kostelich complaining about the courses being too easy. He spoke about on his Instagram saying um, if they're going to make, was he say basically if they're going to make the courses this easy, they should just do away with inspection. Um, I kind of agree with him on that part. I think that would be quite funny not to let him inspect and see how can like judge the, the course the best. But other than that, I think he's just gone a bit bananas now. I think he's just a bit jealous that Austria has hills and snow that work. Um, and <laughs> Hello, organize, there he is. <laughs> organising committees. That no, but guys, do you races. remember? Do you remember? Um, it was like a big thing between him and Hirscher back in the back in the days. 
for the crazy sets. I, I mean, I, I, it is nice to see a challenging course. And I think the second run of the the Night Slime and Schladming, that was that was pretty fun. It was quite different. It was not that rhythmical. It was challenging. But I don't want to see a course that just eliminates half the field because I want to see the best racer win as well. I know that it needs to be a balance. I don't want an easy open slalom that's going to be boring as hell. But... I didn't think the first run today was that easy. I didn't think it was challenging, but also didn't I've, you know, we have complained about course setting before on this podcast where he said that was boring. It was too easy. I didn't feel like that was one of those races. I, oh, I didn't I, feel like the first run was that was 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 that easy. Like it didn't have a particularly high like like DNF rate, but you know, we we still lost one of the better slalom skiers in in the race with with uh, Michelle Gizzing came out on the first run and um uh, Dubovska second. Uh, I think yeah, it was a lovely know. race to watch. I don't know what his problem is. Like honestly, he's it's like just bitter. He literally lives in like a different reality than we all do, because. I mean, if you, that was like the best advertisement for ski racing today. It was, they looked good. It was like a fair course where people, some people went out, like fair enough, everything all right. But I mean, you can't compare this to something that him like setting or Croatians like making like a big fuss about canceling the race. It's just like, he's lost the plot. I'm really sorry. And I said that last time, all the respect to his skiing, but he has lost the plot. Yeah, it kind of looks, it kind of looks like that way. Can maybe. we get him on a podcast? Yeah, I'm sure he'd be. I'm sure he'd love to come on it. Maybe we'll give him a couple of drinks before he comes on as well. Um, before uh, let's let's keep let's keep moving on. Um, let's go to one of the highlights for me for the last. I can't remember the last time I felt so good about a uh, a World Cup result that was the men's slalom in Adelboden. Johannes Stroltz, uh, Marcel, you, you will give will hand you over to hand it over to you in a second. Uh, took the, the World Cup win. What a fantastic results! Goosebumps left, right, and centre for for everybody. I think with that one, Manu Feller back on a slalom podium again, and Lena Strasser backing up another podium. That he that he did here twelve months ago, Marcel Johannes Strolz, go. All right. Firstly, I am so incredibly happy for him. I grew up with him. I shared a room with him. I mean, how how good is that story? He's not on the team. He has to pay for everything. He tunes his own bloody skis, and he wins Adelboden, a very very classic race with Bib thirty eight. I mean, you can't can't write a book about it it's like it's too surreal it's like Leicester winning the Premier League basically it, it was I, I just couldn't I don't know I was getting so emotional I've not I don't know the guy I don't know you know I just can relate to that story of paying your own way I can't relate to winning a World Cup I can I, you know paying your own way working really hard chips are stacked against you and uh and I could I could half imagine the emotion and the feeling that that will be for him of um i get emotional now even thinking about it like how uh, how just how cool it would be and how just you know you you every everything single thing every bit of hard work every crappy decision you've had to make whilst do i quit don't i quit nobody believes in me i believe in me um you know me and me and um who's who's he skis with uh de gruber isn't it you know the two of them trained together and uh, and you're just like I don't know I think it's it's proper Hollywood it's proper proper if you don't if you can't relate or can't enjoy him winning that World Cup there's something wrong with you I'm afraid. 
What he should do is he should get DeGruber to tune his skis and then he can put his feet up for a bit. Hey, DeGruber nearly, <laughs> DeGruber nearly did a flipping good result as well, Ben. You're going to have to... You're gonna have to uh... No, just retire, man. Let it go. You're done. Uh... You know, I think he would have started crying, actually, because if you know him, he's such a nice guy as well. Like, he is a genuine nice guy, Johannes. You I was going to say, you're still, you're still talking about strokes, yeah? Yeah, I'm, talk- I'm talking about strokes. I mean, hey, fair play to DeGruber. He has the same thing. Yeah, he also got a top 15, I think, almost. I don't know what it was in the end, but pretty close to it. Come on, Ben. Like he's seven, 17. He did, he was fine. I mean, the, the whole race was, was absolutely brilliant. Um, and the conditions did play a big part in it. This is not taking anything away from Strokes. He's getting incredibly. And to be honest, the whole Austrian team, like they nearly walked away with a one, two, three at Adelboden. And that <laughs> would have been something for the ages. I, I felt a little bit bad for, uh, Fabio Gastrein, because yeah. we've not seen much from this year. So then come out on that second run uh, when he was, he looked like he was skiing pretty well. And obviously Manny Feller had just slid into second. So if they'd done that, that would have been the ultimate Austrian coup in Switzerland. Yeah. Like a step uh, to Swiss heart. Well, I mean, but the, it wasn't like the Swiss didn't show up. I think they had like five they people four in, the top. in the top eight. Yeah, they, they, yeah basically it's four, four five, five, six, and, six. and nine or something. Crazy. Yeah. That like they had a good day as well, so it, it, it was kind of it was kind of weird to, to see the Austrians like like whooping everyone, but then the Swiss were right there as well. So it was a, it was a really really impressive display. But I mean, Strokes really skied that second run hard. Like he knew like every it's one of those races when the snow's soft, the conditions are bad. If you're going you know near a tv break or at the start you've got to go hard and he he really skied that second run better than most people and it really it really showed that the fact that so many people couldn't get anywhere near him um ed you were commentating i think there was i can't remember how many people it was there was a, a window of about eight people i think on the first run where the clouds parted and they could see where they were going yeah, for about eight four, people and, about and both days. yeah well, no it was, i think it was strokes and de gruber were in there because um, that they were both like kind of 35 and 38 or something. And um, the American guy, uh, Luke Winters as well, was in that little window. And then after them, everyone started being slow again. Um, but it just shows what a difference visibility makes on a course. Like the snow doesn't really, like, obviously makes a massive difference, but it snowing isn't the end of the world. But actually being able to see the terrain where you're about to put your feet makes yeah. such a massive difference. Uh, Marcel, just did you... Did, did the Austrian have you read much of the Austrian newspapers this weekend? What were they saying about? Oh it? yeah, they were like about Gastrein. What did they say about that? Oh well, I mean, obviously the news was mostly on on Strauss, Um, but they said that they all left. Were they the, all... the slalom crisis is done? Oh, re- oh right, okay. But you know, you could see like everyone, like Lino Strasser, like everyone was so happy for him. Manuel Fair gave a very nice interview about Strauss. I think. It was a, a very nice story, and the Austrian media obviously loved it because Johannes Strolls' dad, he was Olympic champion in 1988 in Calgary. So it kind of like is a, a good old family story, which is, which is lovely. But the media was obviously hyped about it, and also about Feller. But they want him straight back on the squad. Oh, he's not going to, but come on, like he's, of course he's going to be on the squad. He's on the Olympic squad as well. They've yeah. sent him, they've actually sent him and Marco Schwartz to um, do the European Cup downhills because they haven't finished the downhill in a long, in a long time. So 
in case they both get selected, which I, which they will, they're looking for people to do the super combined. It's got to be Schwartz and, and Schwartz for sure. There you go. I don't think he want Schwartz's ankle doing a downhill on a track no one's ever skied before. Well, it depends. They will. They need, they need someone. Like, I mean, he's the world champion. Yeah, and it's wide open, isn't it? It's what absolutely, you know, who, no, there's no form anywhere for it. So why not? Um, no, nothing about Gastrine. What's her, are they saying? Is he? Um, does that mean he's no basically no go to the Olympics? Or well, there's still three races to go, right? So everything can happen. Yeah, um, but um, Schroes will be now. He will be going to the Olympics with a win. If he doesn't, I will be very surprised. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Feller will be going, and the rest is, is wide open. I mean, Schwartz hasn't really done anything this year. Mm. Matt is like not in form. Seems like Dee Gruber is a. Uh, He's basically. <laughs> He's nearly there. Um, Dave, Dave riding tough day in the office for the second World Cup in a row. Um, really frustrating for him. Um, I spoke to him briefly afterwards, and obviously he was understandably uh, feeling pretty bad and a bit dejected. And as as was Jai, his technician, who also spoke to. And I don't know. It's just, it's really tough. I mean. I guess the silver lining is that he's skiing quickly. Um, the bad news is two DNFs with a straddle really do knock your confidence. It, it does. But I, I, to be honest, I was looking back through that first run again and there's, there's not, I mean, there's not really anything bad you can take away from it. He's, he's skiing, he's skiing fine. And like you said, like straddles happen, you know, Yes, it is a bit frustrating if they happen twice in a row, but in those conditions, I don't think there's much you can you can do about it. If he'd skied safely and come in the 20s, it wouldn't have been like, well, at least he got a result. You'd be like, oh, he's got to be pushing on, even yeah. if you did come out in the last race. So just keep skiing the way you're skiing there. It wasn't like he made a, like a, a mental error or, or really tried to cut the line too tight or anything it was just again you've talked about it on commentary when you're coming over rolls or you're in and out of combinations that's when your coaches and your your racing brain tells you these are the ones i really need to get right which means you're trying extra hard to be early which means you're even more likely to you know catch a tip on one of those um but yeah i mean if he wants to look at that first round i mean i thought it was a bit harsh on him to be 13th having been within six tenths um of, of Fabio Gastrine and, and Manny Feller. It's not very often you say you'd be outside the top 10, but in six tenths off after uh, after that first run. And it was so close. So I was watching and there was, it was, was it, I think it was something like 24 people within a second on that first run. But that's the that thing, ridiculous. right? Ridiculous. You, you can't, like, if you think about straddling and maybe like keep a bit more distance, it's not good enough. Like, you're not going to. You probably wouldn't even make the cut in Adelboden. Like if you ski, I don't know, ten centimeters or, or fifty centimeters further out from the gate, you make like a couple of good meters, and those meters are gonna are gonna make like the difference between qualifying and not qualifying. Yeah. Well, for example, Billy looked by his normal standards, he looked a little bit passive on that first run. He didn't quite look like he had his normal zip. It could be that he'd done two Europa Cups in two days and then sat in a car for, for however many hours it took them to drive across there. But he didn't look, obviously, Laurie skied out, but he didn't look to have the same aggressive intent as, as Laurie had, which you would hope after those kind of back-to-back, a, a win and a, and a, and a podium in the 
two Europa Cups. So I was hoping to see him be a bit more aggressive. And it's not it's not a criticism, obviously, like, like I said, but just the example of Marcel saying there, by being that tiny bit more cautious is the difference between, you know, qualifying for that second run and not qualifying. There's just, in slalom especially, and well, obviously when you're fighting first, second runs, the tech events, obviously, the... Um, you just can't, you can't afford to, to take your foot off the gas at all. I don't think there's any space. Not when you're talking about under a second and a half for, for under 30. Got... Even, even in GS, like the distance were, they were very like big in GS. But even there, like if you go with like a, a bib from the back, like you, you can't afford it. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be six seconds behind instead of like four, which makes you qualify. You know, it's just like, it's, it, it looks, not tight in GS and that's GS specifically, but it's still very tight. Like just you just because of the conditions of the track, you're gonna lose like two and a half, three seconds. I mean, easily. It's gonna be yeah. shuttled up and you just you can't ski your line anymore and then you have to really go for it. Yeah, there's just no there's just no way that you, you, you can't afford you just can't afford to not do it. Um guys, you got anything to add for that slalom? Anything you want to talk about? I tell you what, Lena Strasser likes racing slalom in Adelboden, doesn't he? He was having a nightmare this season. Uh, like he'd had like a DNF and a DNQ in his last two races before that, and he said, "Well, I better find some form and just pop one on the podium." Crazy stuff, but really crazy stuff. But I don't know. It's just one of those things. One of those things where he just gets. I, I think ski racing is one of those where it's so. Um, I don't know. It's so much reliant on on good feelings and, and the confidence to charge and the confidence just to know that you've nailed one piece before i don't know if he's just pulled it out of the bag but he they were training together weren't they him and johannes strolls supposedly yeah. so they're obviously got a good little training partnership there i wonder if strolls does i don't know it's interesting I wonder whether he changes up what's working for him or whether he does just you know turn tail and go straight back in with the fed in, with the austrian fed or he carries on doing what's working i don't know because it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like he got there through weather, you know, weather luck or anything. He won that fair and square, I think. I mean, I guess there is no other way for him to go back to this team. Um, and they have a good team, to be fair. Like, training with the likes of Feller and Schwartz and whatever is, like, a good good measurement for you. And, like, obviously, paying it for yourself. We all know that is expensive. <laughs> yes. Marcel, is, is there a limit to how many people they can put on the the whatever is called the elite squad or that that top team i do think they have a well they don't have a limit but i think they want to keep them like fairly fairly small because like because better. on their day they have got so many slalom skiers that can train in that group right now yeah I mean, but, but I don't even think... when you think of who's injured at the moment as well they've got they seem to have so many that are, that could be in that kind of top table group yeah i'm sure they they pull like the young guns in sometimes but like usually they have like the World Cup teams, which is probably like five, six people. And then you have like the the one that's in between that do like European Cups and, and World Cups. And you have a couple of young guys in there as well. And that's also the one that, well, Ferdl Hirscher took that on for a while to have like that intermediate group between European Cup and World Cups. Um, so they have that kind of system. So it's it's pretty, it works pretty well. And like, obviously, preparation for races, they just pull them up and just let them train with the good ones um, to see what's going on. So uh, I think the system does definitely work. I mean, 
compared to five years ago when they had no one in, in slalom yeah. except for Fraser. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good progression there. Um, okay, on back to the Saturday, back to Kranskagora for Giant Slalom. Sarah Hector picking up World Cup win. Tessa Worley, Ben looked oh so close at one point uh, to that she was going to walk away with another World Cup win. And Marta Bassino finally back on a podium. Uh, good racing. Uh, it was, was it that the race? That was the race, wasn't it? Where, Tessa, where Vlahova was complaining about the snow conditions being so terrible and dangerous and rubbish, wasn't it? I can't remember if it was the slalom or the or the GS, um, but I, I think it might have been the slalom because she oh, skied it? fine, and 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 it, it made no sense as to why she made quite public statements saying that the course was rubbish. I mean, it cut up definitely, but um, I was just saying that because otherwise she would be like two seconds ahead or something. Right? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, but that GS, yeah, that that again looked fun. I enjoy watching. Uh, the women racing on on tougher tracks, and we saw it last year. We think Alice Robinson had an absolute monster yes, uh, down a, a much a much different Crunch Gagora to this year. Obviously, this year was a lot more soft snow and uh, a lot fresher, um, whereas last year was absolutely bulletproof. But again, the the people that have got the fight in them and the attack to take it back to the hill rather than ski defensively on it are the ones that that show up at the top, and that's one of the things you can always say about Tessa and, and certainly this year, Sarah Hector is that they're never going to back off. Um, and they, they, they really attack whatever hill they're on rather than just bully the easy slopes. Um, and Bacino, we've been waiting for, I mean, she was a, a fair way off at like 1.3, but at least getting back on the podium gives them confidence because it's, she's not had a great year so far. So it's, it's good for her to get back in, in that mix and just remind her of how good she was last year. What do you make of it, Marcel? It's not, it is nice. I, I think I, I think we should be having the ladies uh, moving away from Maribor and being in, in maybe Kransk and Gore on a permanent basis as well as as well as um, Schladming, something like that. Because I think you're right, Ben, that the, those tough slopes brought out the best in some of the races. And, I, and I, I like the challenge that they have to face rather than, yeah, like you say, Ben, getting to bully some easier slopes. I mean, I think Sarah Hector is always very good when it's like difficult because she really puts everything in there. And considering the fact that she didn't win the race before the season for seven years, just shows how much determination she has. And that's something I'm, you see with like her and Strolls this weekend, like it's just keep on going and they will come back hopefully. Well, not for everyone, but <laughs> a couple. Um, and I have to say like Schiffrin had an absolute shocker in, in Kranzkogor. I don't think she was very happy about that. No, she wasn't, was she, uh, with that DNF in the slalom race? Um, uh, and then, yeah, which was maybe added to the emotion of, of today's performance, of the, of the Schladman performance, maybe. That's maybe one of the reasons why, just because she'd had a, a bit of a, well, yeah, a not very good weekend in Slovenia and then comes out and, and finds her form again. Um, but Sarah Hector, yeah, I, I loved the way that she just absolutely took the fight to that slope. And also... The women's GS is so wide open, really. I think with Schifrin not being necessarily at her best uh, and Vlahova the same, it means that, I don't know, the GS is absolutely wide open, isn't it, really? But uh, Lara Goot has, been str has struggled on the comeback from COVID as well. And, uh, yeah, battling, battling from top to bottom. 
Yeah, she looked. She looked like she had some speed. Deeper. I mean, I guess she always looks like she's got some speed, but she she didn't look too exhausted. It looked a bit more like the touch wasn't there, which I guess is what you expect when you've been off the off the hill for a, a, a couple of weeks or however long the isolation period was. But you know, I'm sure come Beijing, she'll be back to her normal, absolutely flying self. Um, but I guess the the big piece in there was was Valerie Grenier just just missing out on that podium in like five six hundreds or something along those lines off the off the podium uh, from Canada. Their their team's having a, a really fun season. Their tech team, both Slalom and and GS, seem to be putting in results. And yeah. it's probably not going to be too long before we see a few more uh, uh, Canadians on the podium as well. Yeah, Nullmeyer, back to back to Schladbank. Yeah, Nullmeyer's absolutely monstered that first run, didn't she? Looked like she absolutely deserved her spot towards the front and was charging again on the second run. Canadians are doing really well. Another one of your Ben or Marcel that you're talking about seven years from podium to podium, win to win, was uh, Melzinski, wasn't she's not won since uh, like 2012 or something. And she's yeah, still like in, in Germany. She won like a, a I remember that slalom, it was like very soft. And uh, the, the commentator for the Austrian um, television, he was like making the comparisons because she, I think she was like something uh, wakeboard champion or some or water ski champion. And he was like, she skis this hill down like she's on water skis because it was actually so soft. It was, <laughs> but she won that race really well. I remember that. Yeah, it's, it is really nice to hear. It's always nice to see that like a new new group or certainly a new f- couple of names like uh, um, what's her first name, Amelia Smart, whatever it was today as well for the Canadians. I Rossi, think they're on a good run. Nullmeyer and um, I like watching her. I think she has a fabulous technique. And then also, <laughs> I mean, she's a bit she's always on edge, but I like the um, American girl, Paula Molson. Paula Paula Molson. I mean. I mean, she's just what she's doing. <laughs> she's wild. Her, her and Nina O'Brien ski with like the most crazy hip angles, so far, so low. <laughs> make it. I mean, no wonder that they ha- they so many mistakes end up creeping into their skiing. But when when they when it goes well, they go so fast. But it's such <laughs> so risky and littered with errors. Their coaches must just be like turning gray instantly whenever they start skiing or certainly if they've had a good first run so instant nerves no fingernails gray hair and can't watch surely (laughs) i think that's one of the things that as well with skiing these harder slopes you can't get away with those mistakes as often you know you unless you're like a generational talent like marcel hersher who just seemed like every other turn was recovering from a, a, a micro error or something you you can't afford i mean you can definitely put those hip angles in but you have to know that if you don't get it right you've only got a fraction of a second to recover whereas on a if you if they were in Maribor you probably got a couple gates you can hang on to be an out of position for whereas in Kranjkogora if you don't get the next transition back into position you're you know you're going to be on the floor um and so that'll be something interesting to see if we carry on racing at these venues whether people's tactics or, or techniques have to adjust slightly based on these new newer venues yeah, it's good. Good point. Um, good point. On to the men's GS. What, were you laughing at, Ben? You trying to... I guess that's what I'm here for, mate. Yeah, <laughs> making good points. Yeah, yeah. few and far between. That is why you, <laughs> that is why you were here. And I've, I've stopped, you know, expecting that sort of input from you nowadays. 
just I've it. just lined up the best ever Schifrin stat, and you just completely skipped over her slalom. So All right, I'll you, just have to save it for the next. No, time. no, go for it. Hit, hit us with it, and then we'll say brilliant stat, and then we'll move on. What is it? Go we on. <laughs> Well, all the commentary was about how long it had been since Schifrin had last DNF'd in a slalom. Uh, and I was just like, oh, We've not got time many, for that. Let's move on. How many Let's times she's ever skied out? She's only ever DNF'd seven times in World Cup slaloms, and three of those were in her first six starts. That is incredible consistency, considering she's then won the pretty, pretty <laughs> considering, considering she's then won nearly all of the other races she's done. Like well, you've all worked so your I, money, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marcel, you wait till you see my paycheck. You'd be so jealous. <laughs> yeah, when is when's the money arriving anyway? Uh, you're yeah, a delay. It's, um, it's lost in the post. I don't know where it's been. <laughs> posties. They're, they're just it's been, you know it's been held up by Brexit. Um, for like three years now. <laughs> yeah, the Brexit Brexit post has been so terrible. So terrible. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the first race for the men this weekend, which was way back on Saturday. Feels like ages ago now with all the racing. Was the um, Adelboden GS. Alexi Pantero back on the podium. Uh, Manu Fella picking up yet another GS podium. And uh, surprise, surprise, Marco Odomat still dominating the World Cup giant slalom uh, standings as well as the overall standings. Um who wants to, uh, Marcel? Would you like to take us away with this? Part? Yeah, I thought that was a that was a great race. I think the first, I think I, I sent it in the chat. Um, the first run was probably some of the toughest I've ever seen in my life. It was just rough, and I honestly I don't know how Odomar is always picking up his outside ski somewhere in the turn. I don't understand it. It's like. He's flying left, right, centre, back, forwards, everywhere, but he always seems to be finding just the right line. Yeah, carving and going straight as it's hell. It's honestly crazy. Um, he's like on the form of his life, I would assume, um, because, I mean, that is, it just looks unbeatable. I thought Feller was obviously great in the second run. He really, he really has a firework on that one. And Pantaro, he looked really good. Um, but on the middle part of the, of the second run, he lost so much time. It was like he was good on top. He was good at the bottom. But in the middle, I don't know, he stopped skiing or something. I can't. I don't know. But I think in all, it was like a, a very interesting race. I love how long I love how long it is, like one, one, 117 or 118 nearly the first run and and. Uh, 116 on the second is they're just such long GSs and so brutal, so brutal. And, that, and that last pitch, like you, you, I, I think in my head, I, I, I think I've maybe seen like three different sets from that ridge to the bottom in yeah, my entire it. life of watching ski racing. I don't think I've ever seen them do like a right footed turn from the imagine, like imagine skiers right side of the they hill. They can't do that. You're only ever going left. Flying down you have, the, the you have a left footed undergate going back up the hill every take, month. Imagine the coach that has the, the stones to yeah, set a, 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 a right, <laughs> a right footed undergate at the top of that pitch would be hilarious. Um, but it, it's, it's iconic. And a, a lot of the time we talk about how it's really hard on TV to do some of the slopes justice, but Adel Bowden has that knack of getting that camera shot 
behind the racer as they go over the brow. You can just see, and it's only a few gates, but you see just how steep it is. It's brilliant. And I wish more resorts, and obviously the fact that it's got that kind of dog leg into the finish helps, but I wish more resorts could find ways to really show off just how difficult that hill is because Adelboden is amazing for that and it was so good that they had the the fans there the stark difference between the women's race tonight in in Austria where they couldn't have crowds and the Swiss one where they kind of got all of the relevant permissions or whatever and they had a packed stadium like Ed you've commentated on a few the the noise from the the grandstand at Adelboden that would be one I'd like to sit in and just sit there and listen to the noise yeah, I think Kostelic would easily take that challenge of setting the wrong way over that. Yeah, don't don't give him any, any. I bet, like, if they, I think he's, isn't he a coach for the Croatian ski team? I think he is. So, because of Subcic, probably once or twice a year, he's allowed to set a coach. For them. <laughs> but I, I bet they are not giving him Adelboden. Like, they, if, if it's like a raffle, they take the, the difficult ones out and they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't like let him set those. <laughs> that would just be disastrous. <laughs> so, it might be, it might be rigged. Even so, <laughs> Marcel, are you suggesting there might be some form of corruption in sport? <laughs> well, I'm a, well, that might be corruption of the good side, on the good side. Marcel, did you? How many times did you race that one? Well, not not enough times to make it a, a good race for me, but enough times to be scared of that last steep bit. Really, yeah, how was that? How was it? And like energy uh, levels it's, dropping it's a, over onto that. You know, you know what, like. I loved racing in Austria, but I think the Swiss fans are like the best because it doesn't matter. I skied down with like, so I skied down in like, I think somewhere like 15 or whatever. And I skied down with like number 60 and they don't, they don't mind. Like they always, always, always cheer for everyone, which I love about it. The Swiss fans in Adelboden are unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, always talk, always, always just dissing the Austrians. It's sooner or later they're going to. No, no, it's not true. Like I, I love, I love like racing in Schlaming and it, it's great in Sölden, but Adelboden has that flair of obviously the racetrack being so iconic, but then I do genuinely think those fans there are like the best because they are like so friendly with everyone. Like they love yeah, ski racing. Yeah. To its oh, core. Sort of same thing about Vengen. Uh, like you, there's. No matter what where you start, what you do, you got your race bib on or whatever, and the 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 horns are going, the cowbells are going, and uh, and they're there from start to finish. It's always good. It's always good crack. Always good crack. Uh, which actually brings us on nicely to Vengen, as that is the location for uh, the next set of races. We start. I'm just going to interrupt. We had a, we had a British um, British racer in the GS as well. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Raposa didn't have the best of days. I was going to gloss over it, but you, gonna, you want to take it? You want to take it on? No, I just, I just wanted to point it out. I mean, honestly, like in the middle part, he looked fine, but he was just slow, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, so it's, it's a, well, how many times have we said it? You, it's a really tough one in GS, especially. I think more, way more so than Starland to try and do with a, with a bad vib, with a yeah, high vib. It really is. So, um, action, action. We, we know the action plan needed, and that's, I think, to lower some points and try and boost your way up the starting order. But uh, that's, I think that has got to be action plan number one. But it's, it's hard. If there's nothing else on, then, you know, in terms of Europa Cups or whatever, then maybe, maybe that's the answer. But, yeah, one to forget, I think, for a Senor Raposo. Um, 
and not the best sort of Olympic prep, but let's hope that that doesn't affect that doesn't affect it. Um, okay, thank you, Marcel. Uh, we are going to move on <laughs> to uh, <laughs> what, what we're going to do for this coming weekend. It's Vengen for the men, and they race on Thursday. Uh, it is the Super G that re- was the replacement from Bormio, which was the replacement from Lake Louise. Is that right? Uh, that is on Thursday the 13th. 14th is um, Friday, and that is a downhill. Saturday, 15th, downhill. Sunday is that slalom. Uh, and on the women's side, they're in Altenmark, Zalkensee for speed races. Downhill on Saturday and Super G on the Sunday. Uh, ready, ready for picking, boyos? Let's do it. Um, ben, you're actually doing the best out of us, so you're, we'll stitch you up later. Okay. Uh, so, Ben, you may take us away with the Super G for Vengen, please. And can we confirm there is no Creek Meyer? Is he out for all of these races because of his confirmed, COVID? Yes. It's not, not confirmed. confirmed. No. Right, I'll stay away from him. He needs another. He needs a positive. He needs a, what, a, a negative. No, he can. He test. can do the two. He, he has a negative test now. He just needs to wait until or if he can get into Switzerland. If he does, he will be training tomorrow, and the FIS already um, granted him an extraordinary treat that he can start from the top tomorrow so he can race on Sunday from because you have to train the whole track if it's the whole track on the race. Push out from the start at the top. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he can he can do the whole thing. It is interesting, just quickly before we start picking, the COVID stuff actually is starting to become a real issue because you need apparently at the moment to get into China, you need two negative tests um 96 hours and then 48 hours beforehand to be allowed to enter um but uh, each national ski associations have their different rules to go along with it uh, and the uh, the olympic committee <laughs> which is super helpful haven't been um 100 clear with how it's going to work with the chinese government yet which is really <laughs> helpful because we are less than a month away from the start of the olympic games so dodging covid has become a real issue and i won't be surprised if some athletes just decide that they're not going to take the risk anymore of going to any world cups and just going to hide away in a, in well, a- not chris meyer he's ready now <laughs> ready and recovered fair enough um, anyway, i'm not going right. to pick so let's get picking uh, yeah picking. all right okay so uh super g vengen uh i'm gonna go with uh kilda as he got me some points in the last round i think marcel i go with Meyer, and then i will go with paris Ooh, good shot it's quite yeah. a difficult one because super g we've not raced in vengen world cup i don't think ever before i don't think i've raced europa cup super g here it was quite fun, um, but I don't know what, what they're going to do in terms. Because it, it doesn't, it's not a, na- it's not a hill that naturally flows to a super G because of all the t- weird terrain and obviously the length of it and stuff. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting, and it's a bit of a shot in the dark because there's not an awful lot of form there. Um, downhill, uh, I'm going to go next with the Friday downhill, and I am going to go with Maya for the Friday. I go with Paris. And ben. Hold on, just writing this down. Um, I don't do I want oh I was gonna say do I want to go with has killed a one there? Don't even know if he's won there. Um I'm gonna say Foyts. Yeah, he's, was, he's been a bit he's been a bit off off the boil. I feel like he needs uh, uh, the 
the Beano boost to get him back on uh, on top form. Beano, <laughs> it's not it's not a curse anymore now. Uh, <laughs> Marcel, do you want to go first? On a slalom? No, no. There's another downhill. Second downhill. Oh, is it now downhill? There's double downhill. Super oh. G double downhill slalom. Um, my oh God, that's going to be exhausting. <laughs> going down three times. That's going to be fun. I'll go for Paris again. Actually, I go for the double. Uh, I'm going to go Foyts for the Swissies for the Swissy boys. Ooh. Uh, TikTok. Oh, part of me really wants to say Odemat just to see something crazy happen, but I think I'll just go with the uh, uh, safe bet and say Maya. I'll go Maya for the third one. Uh, slalom. Um, ben, would you like to go first for the slalom? Yes, a bit. I, I mean, you said the, the women's uh, GS was open. The men's slalom's open. People keep falling over. Yeah. Um, like, we didn't even touch on it, but Clement Noel, like, he's everyone's first pick, but he keeps falling over. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I guess I'll just pick him. Uh, see what happens when he when he, when he gets down. Uh, no one can touch him. So let's just hope this is one of the races where he gets down. Okay, uh, I'm going to go next, and I'm going to go Fella. <laughs> He's taking the risk. A fifty-fifty chance, right? Yeah, it's a risk. But I'll go, like for, I'll go for Pintero. He was he was. Oh, mate, well. come off it. Mate, he was skiing, He was in second place. No Foss Olivag. No. no. No, no, no. I mean, he, would, he, he nearly won me uh, the race before it got cancelled. <laughs> um, and also, he, he was, he, again, Ed, you commentator, he, Solovac had that crash two gates in the finish like Noel did the week before. Yeah. And his splits on that first run, not many people were close to him. No, he was like so far ahead. Uh, yeah. Like so that would have been an interesting one. So, yeah, I just feel like been. I want to change my pick now. Oh. Uh, no, no one cares again. You know, he didn't finish. So, okay, this this is where this is where Ben potentially gets stitched up because uh, I'm going to go first in the downhill. I'm going to say Godia. Good. Um, you're going straight in. All right, you're going. You're going goats, are you, Ben? It's, I mean, just pick. Pick a pick an Austrian and hope they come third. It's normally the approach, right? Um, uh, not, not, not in the last not in the last few downhills. It's not been. Amir and Pickness had a couple and um, Breezy. Let's go Breezy. Breezy's been flying this year. Uh, Marcel, do you want to do the Super G? I go for Gotcha. Uh, I just don't want to be predictable, but but you are. I feel like I need to close the gap because I fear after this weekend I may be the last out of the three of us. I've uh, I've not done not calculated the points yet because it's only just happened. But yeah, I am going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with the obvious. I'm going to go Goot, Benjamin. Um, I am going to go with. Oh, do we know if Schifrin's going to race? God knows. I feel. Oh, see, I was going to say I feel like her. She's due a good speed. Uh, Run, but no, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll go. I'll go Brignoni. Um, oh, I don't know. I heard rumours that she's hiding away. Oh, yeah. I don't think she's keen. Uh, maybe Gissin. I was thinking that that she's uh, she's got form in. Zach. What about Ramona Siebenhofer? Maybe. I told you she's a technical specialist now. What about Tamara Tipler? Puckner. They're there. Oh, 
decent form. The Decker. Um, I'm going to go Schifrin, uh, and I will text you if she's not racing. Schifrin. Like, no, no, it's locked in, mate. It's locked <laughs> in. Um, so how this works, Marcel. Right. Gentlemen, that's far, that's far too much chit-chat from us, and it's far too late. Uh, so I will uh, bid you adieu, and uh, we will see you on the other side of uh, some very lengthy, lengthy races in Wengen. Uh, and some crazy jumping for the ladies over in Zakunze. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Till next time. Bye for now.